Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. me hello i'm back uh, no, 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 don't 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 be like that i i understand i understand your frustration trust me i've been frustrated too apologies to everybody i know it, it's there's been a, a slight drought in in episodes over the past few weeks what what's your excuse craig well i've been really busy it's been super busy and also you know uh, I'm a bit of a stickler I want to always find the right guest for this podcast um of course people ask to come on um but sometimes I just don't think it's a good time or it's a good fit um but this week I am thrilled to welcome the actor Mark Bonner and my god it is a perfect fit. Um, I loved this conversation, loved talking to Mark. Um, look, you're going to know Mark from his groundbreaking, I think I can say, groundbreaking performance in, in Line of Duty in Series 2. Um, and his beautiful, hysterical, heartbreaking performance, and that's not an oversell, in, in uh, Catastrophe. Um, it was on Channel 4, uh, if you're in the UK. And, look, just to put it out there, you know what these conversations are like, especially when I'm talking to actors. We kind of don't really get into the ins and outs of the acting. Well, on this episode, we kind of do, but but, but don't you know, come back. It's fine. There's no asides. There's no in-jokes. I, I kind of, we kind of approach it from a very human aspect um, of the business and work and ethics and rejection um so it's something that that you know everybody can take something away from it and i really think you get such an essence of who mark is and we talk about you know the side of of family man mark and i'm going to work mark and there's slightly versions there's there's personas but um it's uh it's a great conversation and i'm so thrilled that after a few weeks off, we are kicking it back off with the majestic Mark Bonner. Um, what else do I have to tell you? Well, also, the second apology. And don't think that I don't know about this, that I am aware of this. That, yeah, I'm really proud of all the episodes that we've been doing over the last four, six, eight weeks. But one thing is they've all been very male heavy and we pride ourselves in casting the net far and wide with our guests but don't worry um we've got some incredible female guests coming on um 
it's just about timing. The timings have been so frustrating of late. So uh, don't think that this has turned into Craig just talks to blokes podcast because you know it ain't that, and it, it, it will never be that. Um, things are going to slightly die down for me work-wise when I finish this other job towards the end of this month, uh, November. And myself and Griff are going to get in the car and we're going to go and do a few days of live, not live shows, that's next year, sorry, live one-to-one recordings in person. I'm not going to be in front of a computer and it's going to be great. I can't wait. So we're going to stockpile a load of episodes. So you're going to have um, new episodes come in throughout December and into January. As always, over the Christmas and New Year period, you won't be without an episode. I promise you that. Okay? Trust me? That wasn't a question. You trust me. That still sounded like a question, didn't it? Anyway, I hope you trust me. We'll sort it, I promise. Anyway, it's brilliant to be back. And I'm so pleased you're here. Well, should we get down to it? I think you've waited long enough. Get your brew. Get your piece of toast. Depending on what time you listen to this, get your glass of wine. Okay? Okay. Ready? Okay. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the brilliant Mark Bonner. Enjoy, and I shall see you at the end. It looks a little bit like I'm interrogating you. Uh, some sort yeah. of star, well, Stasi that crime. That kind of, you know, that might that'll fit be, in with uh, be, be quite the apt, way we first it? met. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you on the night of the 25th? Uh, I was at my grand, <laughs> grand's house. Back it up, back it up, prove it. Um, we were talking before when we were um, just sorting out some tech issues about... Uh, you're asking me if I'd seen Bull, which is yes. Paul Andrew Williams's new film starring yeah. our good friend Neil Masker, which I was supposed to see yeah, on up in Saturday Manchester. in Manchester. So um, I was finishing off some filming in Liverpool on Friday. And yeah. I, I got back home, popped the heating on, was about to pour a glass of wine, have some food, and I got a phone call from my mum, and my dad had been admitted to hospital <laughs> And he had a, a little fall, and then they found something, and it was just having some tests done. So I rushed up over to Blackpool to sort of be with my mum and just sort of calm that sort yeah. of, uh, you know, that that you know, the rocky waters there. But everything's fine, and he's and he's uh, he's going to be out. So no, he's okay. I, I, well, he's he, yeah, he's comfortable at the moment, and we're just awaiting some news. But um, I'm sure he's going to be fine. But uh, no, is the is the answer? I didn't see it, uh, oh. but I am looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> Oh, mate. Very Jesus. soon. But yeah, if it wasn't one thing, it was the other, you know. Um, <laughs> best laid plans. Oh, yeah, poor that. dad. No, I know, but he's, he's comfortable and he's resting. But it, it did get me thinking because um, I raced over from Manchester and my, my younger sister drove up from uh, where she lives in London. And we were yeah. kind of tag teaming because she knew that I was back in Brighton filming this week. And I spoke to her this morning. And she's got a, a two-year-old and a, a four-year-old. And she had a four-year-old in tears on the phone yesterday because, you know, she's not in our industry and she's never away this long. Oh. So 
she's got, you know, daughter's guilt and mother's guilt. And, and then I was thinking, yeah, and I said to my sister, I said, well, yeah, it's different with, with my son because he's used to either his mum being away for, you know, lengthy yeah. periods or his dad being away. And it got me thinking again because a few weeks ago somebody asked me how I would feel if my son went into the industry or had aspirations oh, right. to go into it. Because you've just been doing bedtime stories now, haven't you, with your daughter? Well, my, my wee boy, yeah. No, I've, oh, I've with your wee boy? Them, um, I've just been reading them. I don't do them with my daughter anymore. My daughter sort of like, she she's a faster reader than I am. She just like races <laughs> through books, but um, no, I've been. I was. I love. I love reading my with my wee boy. He reads me his school book, and then mm. I read him. At the moment, it's uh, we've worked our way through all the old, not all the old dolls, but a lot of the old dolls, and um, we're we've started Harry Potter, and Harry Potter. It's it's quite interesting actually because I'd never read it out loud before. I've read the first four myself years ago when they first mm. came out. And I, I really liked them when I read them myself, but reading them out loud, they're, the first one anyway, isn't that conducive to reading out loud. It's quite interesting. It's that the, sometimes the syntax is is sort of a little bit muddled and words come where you wouldn't expect them to come. And it's just, it doesn't flow very mm. well, I don't think, interestingly. Um, which, but which I'm loving in, reading it though. It's it's a great you know, and and he loves it because she loves it so much. Uh, Martha loves it, you know. Um, so Samuel's kind of like you know, I'm I'm all grown up. I'm I'm reading Harry Potter with Dad, you know. But there is something so comforting to having a story read to you when you're a child. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I I remember getting there. Uh, Actually, I don't. Do I remember being read to? I was going to say I remember being read the the line the witch in the wardrobe, but I read that myself. That was the that was the oh no, the magician's nephew was the very first book I mm. read by myself, um, and and totally loved it. I read I read about three of them. I think I I got kind of lost around about Prince Caspian because it was. I stopped caring about them, I think. But when I, I, was, I think I, I fell out around sort of Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is around. Yeah, the, that the, was the, really hard, wasn't it? That was yeah, number. Is that yeah. not number seven or six? Six. Or yeah, six? It's, I can't remember. It's quite far. It's quite far on. It's, I think it's, yeah. maybe it's just after Prince Caspian, I think. But yeah. Oh yeah, maybe it is. Maybe mm. you're right. Yeah, the last battle's the last one, isn't it? Yeah, I never yeah, got I, to that. I just got a bit. I got a bit bored. I think the line of which in the wardrobe was a great story. And and the magician's nephew is good. I read that first. Yeah, well, that's um, the first. That's the magician's nephew is the first one, isn't it? Well, there's debates about what's supposed to be first. Um, but uh, my dad always told me that magician's nephew was first. So yeah, that's me the too. one I read. But but I, yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't really remember being read to. I don't think I must. I would have been younger, you know. But it's it's great to it's a great thing to share with your kids, isn't it? It's a lovely thing. Yeah. To, to do, especially with Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl really does read well out loud. And da, um, Danny, the champion of the world, was one of my favourite, favourite books when I was wee. And he just loved it when I read it to him. And he was speaking about all the characters and going, oh, dad, that bit last night, where blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it really fires their imagination. He's, there's a reason he's the best, you know? Yeah. 
Um, well, and I, he still I, stands I, up, even though there's some slightly politically, well, not even slightly politically incorrect. There's quite a lot of politically incorrect stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, very much people, so. But... And there's lots of ugly people, you know. Which, yeah, uh, which you wouldn't rightly get away with these days. I was trying to explain to my son a few years ago when he was much younger, when we were reading George's Marvelous Medicine, about I said there was a, there was a man who I adored when when I was a young uh, called Rick Mail, and he was a comedian, Hardy, and and he. Re- Do you remember Mark when Rick Mail read George's Marvelous Medicine for Jack and Ori? No. I've never seen it. Oh, I've seen clips, I think, but I've not. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's available on YouTube. It is. I remember rushing home because they t- they told he told the story of George Marvel's medicine in a in a full week on Jack and Ori. I remember rushing home and it was like you know <laughs> we talk about appointment television now. Well, my God, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. appointment television. You've never seen anything like it because it, it was like he was just ripping up the set. He was being ripped. But he was oh. doing George's marvelous medicine, and it was so. It was. It was like Jack and Ori, but punk rock. I mean, it was yeah. incredible, incredible. And but for me to try and explain it to my son was anyway. I tried to channel my inner Rick when I was reading George's marvelous medicine. But yeah, it's lovely. It's a lovely time. But when somebody asked me that question about how I would feel about my son going into this industry. Mm. I was a bit lost. I was a bit lost for words. I, d- I didn't really know because I just thought he's ten. I don't know. Has anybody ever asked you that about your children? Yeah, I got, well, just not considering asked. you know both you. <coughs> yeah, I, I, nobody's. Um, I don't think anybody's outright said. Would you? How would you feel about it? Um, but I mean, they're both quite in 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 their own ways. They're both quite sort of. Um, they like performing in their own ways, but I mean, all kids do. I think you know that, that that's a, that's a part of growing up, isn't it? That kind of thing. Um, play acting well, is, a, is a part. Well, I think of all kids. Up. Well, all all kids should, and yes, I think they yeah. do in their own. Yeah, way. yeah, I think they do too, and, and and I think that that's um, you know, I mean, they know obviously what we do, um, for a job, um, and they know they've mm. sort of they've never. They've never really seen us, and they've seen a little bit of porridge. Uh, Martha watched an episode or two of porridge when I did that um, a few years ago. But the, uh, because most of us, I mean, they, so they watched bedtime stories when I did that, um, which was one of the great joys of my life. Um, but uh, but they've never really, um, they don't really. Um, yeah, it's kind of. I suppose they just sort of take like I like I did. You know, my dad was an artist, is still an artist, and uh, you know, it was never really. It was just like what he did. That was that was it. That was what he did. So I don't know if they think about it that much. I mean, yeah, I don't know how I would feel about it. I mean, do you know what? I would, I would be worried, but I would um, if they. I'd, I'll be worried about whatever. They, <laughs> I'll be worried about whatever they say they want to do. You know, I don't think you never stop worrying. That's my mum still says that to me now. You never stop worrying, even though you're 52. I still worry about you. You know, it's, I think that's just part and parcel of being a, a parent, along with all the fun stuff and all the hard work. You also worry a lot about them because, because, well, just because you do, because you love them and you love the bones of them and you want them to be 
happy. It's a tricky thing with children, full stop, because, yeah, I mean, I think mums are just the same. My mum's the same as yours. They never stop worrying, really. Yeah. Uh, as we won't do with no, our no. children. Neither and does it, my dad. I mean, neither of them do. It's, it, it's a, and I, you know, it's, a, I know that we both, you're constantly, because they're such a massive part of your life and you've kind of, you, you don't realise before you start out doing it, being a parent, how much it's going to take out of you, how much you're going to invest in, in them, uh, how much you're going to get wrong. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and uh, and how much you're gonna love them? I, I I think you know that's the all those things that are you you just and how tired you're gonna be and how afraid you're gonna be and how uncertain and uh, you know these it's all it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, I'm lucky, you know, I'm really lucky that uh, uh, that we've got a. Me and Luce, uh well, I'm lucky to have Luce, but uh, uh, in full stop. But we've got uh, such a, a brilliant kind of um, honesty in the relationship where we're very, you know, we're you we just we we and she's very good. She's much better at it than I'm. I am. I'm, I think I'm quite kind of. Um, uh, I, I'm not communicative. Uh, co- communicative uh, as as a person, particularly. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I, I, I kind of either just sort of like mosey on like Dwami and my head in the clouds, or I kind of keep things to myself. Uh, and she's very good at encouraging me to to communicate better. Thank God, mm. <laughs> because that's, that's funny what you, you need. That's well, of course, that's what you need. But it's funny because you know we've known each other for a few years. I've never I've never thought of you like that. I've always thought of you as. Very open and very approachable and very communicative. Well, I, I am in some ways. I think um, I, I think it. Uh, I think it work. I think you have to be, don't you? You have to be. You have, like everybody does. Everybody has their work persona, you know, uh, and who they are at work and what they do, and then they have their home persona, and uh, you know, and and it's very. Um, especially with our job, you have to be kind of open and you have to be, uh, you have to throw yourself into things uh, and you have to throw yourself at people, you know, who you don't know um, mm. to, you know, emotionally to, to kind of, you know, connect with them and because you're all on this thing, you're in this boat together that you've got to set sail on and, you know, Oh dear, I'm starting on a metaphor. I'm not going to. I'm going to stop there now. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean? because... You have to. You have to sort of. You have to launch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ha- I heard myself say in an interview the other day. I heard myself say, uh, "What was it about? Something about shepherd? It's like I'm a shepherd or something." And then I went, "Don't you dare fucking print that because that's it's the wankiest thing I've ever said in my life." <laughs> But it's but you do so you have your work persona where you're open and you're kind of yes you're communicative and then and you have the real you which is kind of like which is not like that. <laughs> no, but you're right because you have. I am. To, I am to a certain extent. I'm. I'm doing myself a disservice, probably. But yeah, I I'm, think. I, I think you are a little bit. Yeah, mate. Definitely. And also because you have to forge those relationships very quickly with people that you you don't know and you don't have a history with at all. Yeah. And you have to be open 
to be trusting people, which is a big ask. Yeah, it's huge. It's weird. You sort of get used to it, though, don't you? I mean, you kind of, because mm. everybody's the same. We're all the same. We're, we, we, we are all, well, all the, all the good people are, uh, you know, the nice people, the ones that want to do well and, mm. and aren't interested in their ego are, are, in, are in it because they know it's a team sport and they like playing the team sport, you know? And uh, so you, you do, you launch yourself at each other and sort of go, let's discover this together, you know? Um, uh, and yes, there are, there's not everybody's like that, but, um, and there's all kinds of different personalities. But I mean, generally speaking, I think actors are a, a great bunch of people. I've not, you know, I've had very, very few bad experiences. Um, in my life, touch wood. Long may that mm. continue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I, 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 you know, and I, I love the job. So going back to your original question, I, I'd probably be very happy if they decided to do this, as well as worried about how the fuck they were going to make ends meet. Because you know, as you know, that's what you are always worrying about in this job is what happens if it stops. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the rejection. Yeah. The pretty much constant. Rejection for, yes, many, for yeah. many years. Yeah, I mean, that's, you, that's you just that's another thing though. You, you kind of get used to, isn't it? Don't you? Or I don't know. I think well, I was thinking about it before when I was, I was going. Well, how do I do? I, does that sound negative if I start having a conversation with Mark about rejection? Well, no, because he understands, and it, it's not going to start. I didn't want to start off talking about rejection, but. And it's funny you ask about getting used to it because I was thinking, have I got used to it before yeah. you've asked that? And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I have. And sometimes it can last. Whereas sometimes maybe years ago it may have lasted a week and it may have kept coming back. Now yeah. now it's it's a good 25 minutes <laughs> on, uh, of, of unhappiness and anger and frustration. Why did I not get a fucking... I'm better than he is. <laughs> oh, same old, same old. Great. Yeah. Again. Oh, they've gone yeah. for him again. Right. <laughs> See him everywhere. And then, I, and then I come back from halfway through throwing the telly in the backyard and I think, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll just I'll put it back in the living room. But I yeah, think you're I, right. I, I do. Yeah. I think it does. You, 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 you're right. Earlier on in my career, I remember that uh, that rejection being uh, really lingering, especially if it's something you're invested in. Especially if it's something you you think you can do as well, or or, mm. or, or really excites you, or or both. You know, um, then it can be, and that can still be hard to take if you if you think it's if you think you'd be good at something. It's still, yeah. I'm, there was a couple of things recently I had actually that that were that I was like, oh, really? I can, uh, but I, I, and I, I was kind of, I was kind of in my head. You know what it's like in your head. You sort of now and again in idle moments when you're, you know, I don't know, in the toilet or <laughs> you know wherever you are, where you're sort of sitting thinking, oh yeah, I've still, I'm waiting to hear about that job, haven't I? And you have a, a you know. 10, 20 second flight of fancy about doing it. Mm. Yeah, I could do that. And then you, yeah, wipe your arse and wash your hands and it's gone. But, but, um, <laughs> you, 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 um, 
I think it's. I, I think it does. It does get better with time. Rejection does get better with time, or you just get more used to it because it happens more. It happens. It's happened for twenty five years, mm. so you're sort of like, well, you know, that's what it is. It's you. You learn to. You learn. You get used to the business. It's, t- yeah. it's tough, but you get used to it. You know. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like what we were saying about you're starting a new job, you're forging these new relationships because this is what you do, and we're all of the same team. The first is the same, the drivers are the same, the runners are the same, the team is the same. We all know that yeah. we're embarking on something new, and everybody's... And even... I was working with a girl the other week, and she was fucking brilliant in this scene. She was brilliant. And we were in the car on the way back, and she said, oh, I'm going to go back to London now. I said, everything all right today? Did you have a good day? Because she had, she was in more scenes than me, and I just popped in and did a couple of scenes with her. She went, oh, it's my first ever job. I went, you're joking. It's oh, your first job. And she just went, yeah, it was really great. But, I mean, I know what I was like in my first job. Terrible. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> like, terrible. This girl was really terrible. Solid as a rock and cool. Super, super cool. And but it's just I said, Oh, was everybody really sound and really nice? She went, yeah, everybody's really lovely. I went, brilliant. As long as everybody I was think lovely. Some people are some people arrive fully formed, don't they? It's taken me a long, long time to learn how to do it. And some people kind of, um, or, I mean, not learn how to do it, but, like, hone down the rough corners, and and mm. especially when it comes to, to um, camera work, you know, just learn what doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. Because somebody sent me a clip of my, it wasn't my very first telly, but it was my first sort of big-ish part on telly, which was, it was an Inspector Rebus with John Hanna years ago. And um, <laughs> just... Somebody said I was working with the sound guy's son, who's also now a sound guy. And his his dad sent me, he had it on, I don't know, whatever DVD. And he, he filmed a wee bit of it off his telly and uh, uh, sent it. And uh, he showed me and I was like, oh my God. I mean, apart from that, I've got hair and it's brown. But <laughs> um, uh, I was just, you know, just what I could see what I was doing. I could see what I was doing. You know, it was all very considered and self-aware and it's interesting how it takes you a long time to lose that doesn't it that kind of mm. oh maybe if i look here i mean i still have a little eye uh a third eye on it you know all that position why you have to yeah but but it's just about being relaxed oh my god i wasn't i so wasn't relaxed but some people like that girl you were talking about they just sort of go here i am and i know how to do it <laughs> and you're mm. like oh you bastard. <laughs> yeah, she seemed really grounded and really relaxed, but I was just so pleased that she'd had a brilliant first day. That's nice, yeah. Because it's really nice because so many people don't. Or I know, maybe I know. There's, uh, maybe there's another actor or a first or a director or somebody that doesn't treat not just her but somebody in a respectful way and you go, ah. Oh, I left a really yeah. bad taste in my mouth. I remember my first day and so-and-so said something. It really made me feel so small. And they've got to sort of build yourself back up again now because then yeah, think, yeah. God, what if you did have a bad day and someone said something and that was my first day. I was always very aware of that on a set. If somebody... Did you see, um, did you see Johnny Weldon's latest? Did you follow Johnny Weldon on Twitter? 
Oh my god! I mean, did you see but one an actor has one line in a film? Oh my god, it was so good, wasn't it? It was so brilliantly observed. He's been he's been knocking out these videos of all different scenarios all over lockdown. We've got to we must shout out Johnny Weldon if you don't do check him out because oh, it, it's it's down to a T. Yeah, even that lovely end of that video where he obviously had all his family round. <laughs> <laughs> and it was BBC Two. Now shh, 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 it's coming. It's coming. It was <laughs> as perfect as you can be. I mean, I remember going to um, a screening of a film, and they didn't tell the actress that until just going in that she'd been completely revoiced. Oh fuck! That's so harsh. She's, so she's there. Oh, she's there on screen. But it ain't her voice. It's not her voice. That's really harsh when people do that. Which, you know, I mean, contractually, of course, they're allowed to do it, but on a, on a human level, you would have thought, you got to tell them. You, you would have told them. So oh, they just don't before, turn up at the Just, just before we go in, by the way. <laughs> just, because, just before we introduce you on stage after the film, it's not your voice. Yeah. That's harsh. Mm. I'm sure Toby Jones told me one time that he'd been uh, completely cut from a film in the same situation. Like it was, he, he was going to the premiere, and it was a it was it was a film with Angelica Houston or something that he played her butler or something. I can't remember now, um, but I'm sure he got completely cut, and he only found out at the last minute. I don't think I'm imagining that story. Who knows? I could be. Sorry, Toby, if I... I mean, yeah. Well, no, I mean, if it happens to the great Toby Jones, it happens to everybody Yeah, it happens to everybody, everybody. We're all, you know, we're a bunch of second choices or, you know, Harrison Ford was so far down the list for... Well, we talked about this last time, didn't we? Harrison Ford and uh, Indiana Jones, was it not Tom Selleck first? Yeah, what, what it... It was originally Tom Selleck, but the Magnum, the producer of Magnum, wouldn't let him out of his contract, would they? Oh, that's right, that's right. So it came to Harrison. So there you go, he wasn't the first choice. I think that's, you, know, that, also, you just have you to know, accept those things. But speaking, going just going back to rejection and going, all right, okay, right, it didn't go my way, and I'll just be frustrated for this time. It's very, yeah. very rare... That it comes back, but and, and and as everybody knows, when they listen to this podcast, we don't talk too much about specific jobs. But this is very different because I want to sort of get into this because you've worked until you've talked, spoken about something that you've worked really hard at that you've auditioned for, and you know you can do it, and then it doesn't go yeah. your way. Yeah. Ah, well, we'll flip the tables over, pretend to throw the TV in the backyard, and then we'll come back to it and we'll get back to normal, and we'll move on to the next script. But when you got the call saying you didn't, it didn't work out for Line of Duty, for Dryden. And then it was all cast. There was a read-through. They'd started shooting. Yeah. Talk me through what happened after that. Well, uh, first of all, my my agent, who was Stephen Hatton at the time, who's now retired um, and living in France, um, but who I loved, Still love very much. He's he's he was a fantastic agent, and uh, he was he used to be an actor himself. Mm. 
and he he was a he was a bulldog. He really really fought hard for your deal and stuff. And if he believed in you, you you, you really felt like you he had your back, you know. Which is so important. Sorry to interrupt. Oh Mark, God! But my... Especially when you're first starting out. He, yeah. I, I went. I, I met. I met a few agents at the at the showcase when I, when I first uh, when we did our, our drama school showcase, which every drama school does. You know, the, the, uh, for those that don't know, you, you all the actors that um, uh, from that year that are graduating, they do a showcase, and the drama school invites agents and people from the business along, and you sort of network. You know, it's a chance to get an agent first, first and foremost, mm. but also meet you know whoever casting directors and and producers maybe. So I met a few, uh, I don't know, three maybe that uh, were interested in me at my showcase. One of whom was Stephen. Uh, another was the agent I ended up going to. Which was, uh, I can't remember what the CCA, I think they were called at the time. Um, but uh, Stephen wrote to me when I, I wrote to the others and told them who I was going with. Stephen was the only one that wrote back and said, I'm really disappointed you're not coming with me. Um, but um, if at any point in the future you change your mind or you, it doesn't work out, let me know. Um, so that really oh my God, that stuck n- with me. That never happens. I know it was so n- it was so so nice and and so I mean I didn't know it never happened because I was just fresh out of drama school. So I was like, oh, that was yeah. nice because he was the only one that replied to my mm. my letters, you know. So um, so that uh, that stuck with me and uh, and sure enough, two years, two three years later, um, it wasn't. I didn't feel. I didn't. It wasn't working with this person. And um, she was very nice, but she just wasn't me, you know. Um, But again, again, talking about the the way that we're talking about certain things and dealing with rejection and get used to it, you sort of get to know how a relationship works between you and your agent because you start to get to know you more. You start to get to know how you work and how the business works. And you go, yeah, this isn't... This isn't how yeah. it should be, or how it's this. It's, there's no balance. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I, I think you. I, I think you also. You know, you. I mean, knowing yourself is a good starting place. I think, mm-hmm. or kind of knowing, knowing, knowing what you can do, knowing your ability, is a good starting place. Or believing in yourself. All of those things are good. Are a good place to start. And if you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, I, I was always very ambitious uh, and and maybe kind of keen to run before I could walk, and and I think that um, you know that that kind of motored me along in in kind of leaving the agent I was with initially, and and then sort of remembering Stephen and going, all right, I'll I'll give him my phone, and so I, I phoned him and and um, and I went to meet him, and and I'm still with him now. Um, oh, he's he's left, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, yeah, no. So he said before, before uh, when I when I got the when he gave me the when he phoned me to tell me about the audition for Line of Duty, he said, "Darling, darling, if you get this, it will." Ch-. What was it? He said, "It will." It, it was. It was something quite grandiose, like your your career will never be the same again. <laughs> it was something like that. Uh, he said, uh, you, you know, this will change everything or something. No I, I, this was before the fucking meeting. And I was like, please don't say things like that before okay. I'm going in for an audition. <laughs> it's just another audition. Please don't, like, you know, p- 
pump it up so I'm terrified. Yeah. Anyway, so I walked in, I walked into the audition at, um, at World um, and met Jed and Kate Rhodes James and um, Simon. Uh, and Simon's, no, Simon wasn't there. Simon wasn't there. Um, at my first audition. Um, I didn't get a recall. I, I'd seen I'd seen um, uh, the person who eventually did get the part coming out as I was going in. He was coming. He was leaving, and I went, "Oh, well." So I kind what? of I'd kind of resigned myself before I even had the meeting because yeah. I'd, I'd seen I'd seen Robert, and I thought, "Well, that's that." And sure enough, we, it was because we can say who it is. It, 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 it was Robert well Lindsay, documented. Yeah. They, they cast Robert Lindsay. Yeah. Um, so. So yes, two, two, three, three months went by. You know, as you say, they they they, they cast Robert. The mm. shooting started. He'd started filming, and for whatever reasons, I I don't know because I wasn't there, but um, uh, they decided to part company. And three months later, I got a phone call saying, "You know that line of duty job?" I went, "Yeah." She went, "It's sort of what was it?" She said, "It's sort of come. It's sort of c- not come back again." They've come, the, the, it's gone round again, it's coming round again or something. It was something quite kind of ambiguous. And I went, oh, 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 right. She said, they want to have a meeting with you tomorrow um, at World again. Uh, and this was Simon and Jed. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, right, okay. So I went in and they were like, okay, so. Um, and they, they were talking like the job's mine. I was like, oh, all right, okay, cool. Um, and they, we chatted for, I don't know, 40 minutes. Um, and I was like, right, that's fucking, and that was the Friday. That was on the Friday. And I started work on the Monday. I flew over to Belfast on the sat on the Saturday, I think, mm. or the Sunday probably. And then, yeah, started with that big speech in the, in the church on the, <laughs> on the Monday yeah, at no. the funeral. <laughs> God. Oh, in front of like 200 extras. Keely mm. Hawes, all you guys, you know, um, uh, who I'd known and admired from afar um, for all your various different bits of work that you'd done through the years. Because Line of Duty was itself quite quite young at the time. I'd watched the first series, um, but I knew all your other work, you know, everybody's other work. And so, yeah, so I had to get up and do a massive big speech in front of... <sighs> The, oh. the whole consulate <laughs> <laughs> with but two that, days notice that, on the phone to Jed yeah. going um, so right uh, if I'm uh, so I'm a right I'm a DCI so if that and just like constantly throwing questions at him and bless him he you know he fielded them all answered them all brilliantly and, and really yeah. you know it was he he was uh, brilliant to me Jed but just because I, he think, I, I think he knew it was such a, a, a kind of massive like whoop well, you know. it really is. I mean, not only did you have to sort of field the, this new information that this job had come back around, this part from months ago that you'd worked at and yeah. you'd thrown away and it had gone, you've got to sort of scoop everything up within 48 hours notice and start building this character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was, I mean, you know, Jed was the best person to help with that. Oh, I and mean, I, he's... I, I, because he's, he's, he's he just he knows everything about exactly he's the complete characters. oracle yeah yeah so so I mean I just threw 
question after question after question at him and he answered them all. I wrote everything down in my little book and I tried all case and thought about stuff. And but then you get on set with you guys and 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 Douglas McKinnon, who was the, the mm. first block director uh, for the for series two. And um and you you the the atmosphere is just so lovely. And you just think, oh man, this is going to be fun. This is, you know, it's it's going to be really good, and it's a really brilliant. You know, there was some great set pieces. There was some great uh, uh, scenes. You know, some fantastic those interview scenes. I mean, that's when Jed sort of just he that's when he started doing those, or they became a thing, wasn't it? In series two, they really, they really. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was starting to be cemented in. Um, from one, but yeah, from two onwards, it really started to be, as you say, yeah, it was a thing because yeah. people had never seen this on telly before. And, you know, on paper, yeah. you go, what? 19 pages, tw- one scene. Yeah, yeah, it's like, really? This doesn't really happen. We get through yeah, like five or six incredible. pages in a day. But yeah, that, I mean, that is the thing that you that you say, um and not to talk too much about work and we move, we'll move, we move on. But again, going back to that girl that I worked with the other day about you, very experienced coming on, and you realised that this was a very happy set to walk on, even though th- the material was super intense. You know yeah. that once the cameras are not rolling, it's there's joy and there's happiness and there's a lot of yeah. fun. Like yeah. I've been on some... I've been on some very silly comedy sets where they've been ludicrously serious. <laughs> comedy is a serious or, or, business, Craig. Almost Shakespearean. <laughs> oh, my, but that's the what, especially when you're doing co- comedy on camera, it's very difficult because you won't, because if you've done comedy on stage, you're used to getting a laugh, you know? Mm. Comedy on camera is a whole different ballgame. The crew are, bless them, are very generous for the rehearsal. And then it's, it's you know, it's silence after that because it has to be, you know? So it's a, it's a hard ask to know because you sort of, your rhythm, you've just got to feel it, I guess, you know, like you feel anything else. But it's a, it's a tricky one doing comedy on, on camera, I think. Oh, I think it's, a, I mean, people have heard me say this before on the podcast, of course, because they know that I'm a huge fan of, of comedy because what I started out watching as a kid, like in summer holidays, I used to watch Laurel and Hardy and Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton. That was like all my inspiration. Yeah. Like, Look at this, this is incredible because... It was incorporating comedy and romance and stunts, like amazing stunts. Is he really doing that? This is terrifying, but it's funny as well at the same time. People can do this. They they did this for a living. Um, I loved, I loved Laurel and Hardy. They were, they were like a staple of my really early years, you know, Mm. from maybe, because my dad loved them. I, I, I think he just kind of passed that love on to me, you know, I think. And, and they were also on on Saturday mornings before Swap Shop. They used to show like mm. two Laurel and Hardys or something, you know. Um, yeah. And so that would have been, I don't know what, late, uh, late 77, something like that. So I, I would have been, uh, yeah, eight or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I loved them from from a very early age and still, still, still love them. Um, very much, and I think I got a lot of my 
yeah, commu- you, you kind of absorb that, don't you? That kind of, if you've got an instinct for it, I think that kind of, um, their timing and their kind of funny bones, sort of, you, you, you just kind of, I don't know, I think there's quite a lot of them in, 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 oh, oh, I love doing them. You know, you sort of mimic people, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah. I think w- w- when you're, when you're wee. And, uh, and I remember, in fact, I got, I'd got an advert years and years and years and years ago. One of my first jobs, or w- within the first sort of two or three years I was out of drama school, I got an advert for Twix, I think. And it was never shown. But the reason I got the job was because I did a, um, a Stan Laurel double take in, in, in the <laughs> audition. And he actually said, he said, good Stan Laurel double take. And I went, oh, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, Brilliant. Shamelessly nicked, you know. Um, oh, God, right. But it was we, never, well, the, the ad's been lost in the annals of time somewhere. Look, we steal from the best. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, growing up, I think there was, well, you know, sometimes still nobody better than those, you know, silent to talky comedians yeah. and you know their technique and their timing you can mimic it but i don't know if yeah. you can teach it i don't know i remember seeing a a course for a, you know to come and teach stand-up comedy and i just went yeah i, I don't know i don't know that <laughs> word. i don't know if you can teach that i think either i'm sure you can teach somebody maybe the structure of possibly how to to write a joke and try and yeah and, and try and sell a joke, but it's a, is it about, I don't know. I'm fascinated with comedy. Cause I think if you, if you can do comedy, yeah, th- I think you can flip into drama and people have probably bored cause they've heard me say this before, because I think there's such, such a depth and there's such skill with comedy. Um, yes. I think comedy uh, is a lot harder than, Oh, than- absolutely. I'm harder. That's the wrong word, but you know, I mean, it's more, it's more complex. It's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's just, it's harder to pull off. Well, I think Deeply, you can yeah. sort of muddle your way through in a drama. I mean, well, my first job is testament to that, but. Oh my God. Um, all of ours. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'm just thinking about that clip of Rebus that I watched. Um, but, but, um, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? But comedy I don't know. Comedy is something. It, it, it's like timing. How can you teach somebody timing? You know, exactly. how can you how, about? You know, I mean, comedians talk. Uh, comedians talking about it is fascinating. But mm. I think you. It's something you feel. It's not something you can uh, um, analyze. In the same way that acting isn't. You know, acting isn't something you can teach. You can do it, or you can't. Um, you have a predisposition to it or you don't. I think, I think you can teach techniques around it. And you, you know, can hone it. But yeah, to and act, you can yeah. hone it and you can practice it. Um, mm. But, but, but I, I don't think you can teach somebody how to act that, that doesn't have a kind of basic grounding of, of what? Of, of instinct of it in their bones, you know? Or to listen. To, to, yeah, there, there may be. I suppose sometimes, like doing. My son sometimes says, "All right, I'm going to do a load of accents for you now. You can tell me where I'm from <laughs> in the world." And, I go, and he'll do one. I go, "Did you not get that? That was Australian." 
And I went, no. He went, that was quite clearly a straight. I went, no, no, you can't hear. <laughs> you're doing one thing, and oh. you're you're listening to yourself doing one thing, and it's like it's coming out as completely the other thing. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is interesting the the education and, and getting the knowledge. Can you teach certain things? No, I, I, no, I don't think you can with the best one in the world. I think the I think the 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 arts. I would argue are, are hard to teach unless you have a, a predisposition to um to something like comedy or like acting or I mean when I say comedy I mean stand up, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean stand up as a form of acting anyway, isn't it? Well yeah, because um, it's it's it's, it's uh, you know, it's either <clears throat> it's either a character or it's aversion. Who's your favorite stand up? Do you have a favorite? That's a terrible question, I know, but Who'd you listen to? Who'd you um, love? Who'd you return to? Live, I would say probably Daniel Kitson. Oh yeah, Stuart Lee. Very much. Yeah. I mean, I remember the oh, I remember the Stuart. first time I saw Stuart Lee, um, and it really wasn't his crowd, and it was it was in Cheltenham of all places. It really wasn't. Okay. His and <laughs> it was many years back, and it was a it was a you know historically Stuart Lee-esque in timing-wise because it just went on. He went on and it was relentless and he was uh-huh. grasping people and he wasn't letting them go. Oh, I love that. I mean, it I was, and I it. was, I was dying. Have you read his book? No. The, oh, there's a, I forget the title of his book, but um, it, there's a lot of dissecting of, of his routine and, I'll, uh-huh. I'll find it out, and I'm gonna. I'll put it in the blurb for text, people who, who want to listen. Name, but, yeah, but, but I'll text the name of the book because you'll really, really like it. But yeah, I mean, those two spring to mind because they're kind of unlike anybody else. Yeah, Neil um, Neil t- um, uh, told me as as can, I mean, I've always been aware of Kitson, but I've never really, I've never watched him. And Neil sent me and I've I've only watched the first sort of five minutes of it but the thing that he did in lockdown with all the little bits of paper on the table I, I haven't seen it yet no Neil, Neil okay. was telling me about it yeah as well yeah I, I keep meaning to, I, I, the first five minutes are unbelievable like the, I was like holy shit this, this is this is kind of all virgin on insane you know but mm. it's it's fascinating mm, absolutely um, but and- Stuart Lee is, the, is resp- certainly responsible for or or holds the kind of dubious honour of making me laugh more than anybody else has ever made me laugh. And uh, when I went to see him at the um, uh, um, South on the South Bank in the in the in the Queen, Queen Elizabeth Hall was it, where he did mm. the whole of his last series um, that he made was it series four I think of he did comedy the whole vehicle. thing yes, of comedy vehicle he did yeah, it in yeah. honour. And it was like three hours. He had a break in the middle. But it was the routine about... <laughs> it was the routine about um, uh, his cat, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, <laughs> shitting on the Union Jacks. Because the whole... The, oh, no, it was the England flag. He said... Because the, the whole joke started as the premise that... Uh, why? Because he was talking about people hanging England flags out their windows. And he was saying, and he was saying, I'm trying to imagine the circumstances in which I would hang an England flag out my window. 
I suppose if, and then he went on this fucking huge story, which ended up, uh, well, almost ended up in, in his cat, Jeremy Corbyn. His, his cat is called Jeremy Corbyn. Um, uh, shitting in its litter tree on these England flags, which are the only thing he's managed to. He doesn't have any cat litter, so he's got it. So basically, <laughs> the joke that, I, that made me fucking crease up was the noise, was the noise of Jeremy Corbyn shitting on the England flag. Just the whole that, what, cause he does that so beautifully, he paints such a wonderful, detailed, yeah hilarious picture in your head mm. and subverts it just so beautifully and um and yeah the 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 fart it was like the fart scene in blazing saddles the first time i saw that i couldn't oh i couldn't God. speak you know i showed that to my wee boy the other day and he he almost wet himself <laughs> i can't wait till my son's old enough to watch the whole film of oh I know, I know i know i know God. Um, Speaking of stand-up, though, Mark, I remember um, just before lockdown, I was lucky enough to see Alexi Sale live. Oh. And it was an absolute masterclass. Oh, it, was, really? it, was, it was incredible. I'll tell you something else about stand-up comedy in a minute as well. Um, but do you remember old Alexi from, from yeah. years ago? Yeah, very well. Big, this big character, this angry character, this scary yeah. character. Very much, very much more laid back now. You know, he's much older. Yeah. Um, but but occasionally flashes of old Alexi would come out and just jolt you out of your seat. It was brilliant to see him on stage. But years and years ago, speaking of comedy, um, I was working with Dylan Moran. And oh, yeah. He said, oh, I'm doing a, a night of, of Irish comedy. So it was all Irish comedians at the time in the West End. So we went, and he was like maybe fourth on the bill, third on the bill. So it was him, and it was Tommy Tiernan and uh-huh. somebody else, forgive me, I can't remember. Anyway, headlining, and, and this this is proves, you know, how much of sometimes of a comedy snob I can be, was, was Ardlo Hanlon. Now oh, yeah. it was a year, so it was years ago, and it was the time when, weirdly, Ardlo Hanlon was more well known in the public eye for being in the BBC One sitcom My Hero, which was like I don't oh, know if you remember yeah. it. it was yeah, him I remember that. Yeah, as a you know, he was a superhero, just and he had like you know two point four children and a, and a wife, and she was the only one yeah. that kind of knew, and it was. It looked as a time and place for it, but it was super mainstream. It was exactly the opposite of like what Father Ted w- had done and was doing over on, on Channel 4. And I just thought, wait a minute, you've got Tommy Tiernan and Dylan and what? Ardlo Hanlon's headlining. Okay, then, right. So I sat back. One of the greatest stand-up routines I've ever seen. His set really? was, and we, you know, we speak, spoke before about being on set for us as actors and, you know, technically knowing what's going on, but yeah, being relaxed and sort of sitting into it. The most relaxed stand-up on stage. Like, you just go, oh, you're obviously just born to be there with a mic in your hand and making yeah, people yeah. laugh and telling stories. Absolutely. And, and from then on, I went, I will never be that snobby ever again because <laughs> I already judged. I already judged him. I made a judgment and that was a wrong, yeah. bad call. Um, have you ever done it? Have you ever tried it yourself? No, no. Have you ever had an inkling to? Um, 
I don't know. I think I'm a bit too geeky about it, really, to be honest. I'm just fascinated with the structure of how people... Yeah, comedy, full stop across the board. When it... When it's like... Sometimes I think it's like nothing else. I mean, you can show me incredible drama, and I've seen incredible drama over the years, but... uh, you know, like you were saying, to make somebody laugh so much that, that they don't know if they can stop. Do you remember that feeling at school where <laughs> you were laughing? You go, I couldn't, I'm not <laughs> yes. allowed to be laughing here. Or yeah. that awful self-indulgent thing that sometimes happens on a set where everybody yeah. just gets the giggles. Where you and can't you, stop. You can't yeah. stop and you're going... We've got we've got to complete this day. And this yeah, well, that makes it worse. Oh, of course it does. What it's like being in school, it makes it worse, doesn't it? But to actually get somebody to to do get a crowd of people to do that on on stage, and the God. best that for me, the best thing is, I mean, this is a personal thing, of course, but because I I was always a, a and still am a, a, a massive fan of Bill Hicks, and uh, he he kind mm. of. Um, he did that as well as kind of, although he's, you know, he's, he's a dubious misogyny all these years down the line, of course. But, um, but when he, when he was at his best, he was transcendent, which is what Stuart Lee does as well. Stuart Lee kind of, he lifts you up out of yourself at the same time as making you belly laugh and I think that is a, a, a really I that's the thing that I love the most about a really clever hilarious comedian is that they'll they'll pull your kind of very being apart you know because you're 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 absolutely awash at the at the kind of um with love at the at what they've made you think and you're also almost wetting yourself at the same time yeah. that kind of juxtaposition um whenever that can happen in life is always beautiful and exquisite i think that that those those combative symbiotic feelings you know and you know sometimes it can be quite a rare thing because I, I, I love I love yeah. seeing lots of lots lots of stand ups and lots of comedians and sometimes I do you know kind of look around and go oh why why are you laughing at that I I, I don't get that look it's subjective it's fine it's not for everybody and yeah. certain people find other people funny and that's fine but while we're talking about comedy we did mention about uh, comedy on stage which, yeah. you know, you can hear and the beats, and also you've got the laughter coming back so you know you're on the right track. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, if you're doing, and I said I wouldn't talk about jobs too much, but if you're doing something like Catastrophe, yes. say, which is deeply hilarious, but also uh, in, deeply romantic and actually quite emotional. Yeah, yeah of course. Works on lots of levels. You can't, you can't, you can't hear anything back. You've got a obviously a, a generous crew, but they they they've got a job to yeah. do, and you know part of that is to be silent. But if you're doing the other thing, which is multi-camera with an audience, that's something else. And I don't know if that was. Did you shoot porridge yeah. like that, or was that was that was it, amazing? You did. That was you see, amazing. 
Right. That's the, that was the that's the best of both worlds, because you have the. But again, a completely different a, a different skill set. Altogether, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I was terrified. I was I was really really terrified mm. at first. But but um, um, uh, Kev Bishop um was an old hand oh. at it, you know, and and he kind of absolutely he knew how to work the crowd, and I'd, I sort of. As soon as he started, I went, oh, yeah, you can do that. You can stop because it's you're on camera and you can have a wee joke with the audience and then you can go back into the scene. It's like amazing, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah, I by the, end of the, by the end of filming it, I was just having a blast. It was the best job. And people are really generous. They come because they want to be entertained. And it was, you know, it was Clement and Lafreni. It was porridge, you know? It was... Uh, Absolute legends. You know, I, I mean, it was you know, it it had its it had its faults. I think you know, and it it was well, whatever it was, it was it was kind of, I suppose, in a way, it was dated. But I, I think I don't think they gave it a chance. I don't think they gave it enough of a chance. Mm. It had one series, and I think they mucked around with the timing, the the, the schedule, and you know, if it started off at nine o'clock and then. The next week it was on at 11 or something, or a couple of weeks later it was on at 11, and you're just like, oh, you, you're, it seems like you're deliberately trying to fuck us all, <laughs> you know, get, get this cancelled. Um, which, is, which is odd, isn't it? Because when you look at something like that and you go, wait a minute, I know what is going to be delivered here. This is quite clearly an 8, 8.30 show. Yeah. There'll, be, there'll be certain jokes in it that certain age groups will get yeah. and certain others won't you see that's the thing that's what we were talking about comedy why it's so difficult to get right and whereas a drama might be completely fine completely fine inoffensive mediocre maybe and people go yeah just just keep on making yeah, I know, those totally I know. Fine. i think i think all i mean i think it was kind of there were there were probably several problems in that it was you know you're at a time when we're much more kind of as we bloody should be aware of um, you know um, equality in the workplace um, mm. uh, and representation in the workplace. I think you know it, it, there was it might have been an idea to set it in a female prison for a start. You know, <laughs> it might, you know, it was a bunch of men. And um, so, you know, that that was maybe, you know, setting it off slightly askew, setting, I'm using, going to use my sailing analogy again, you'll be happy to know. But Very yeah, that, that, that boat was, you know, the sail was slightly askew on that particular launch um, from the word go, I guess. Uh, but you know, I mean, I was I was so excited because it was a it was such a massive part of my youth, you know, mm. that show. I, I used to, and again, going back to the timing thing, it was like, you know, whatever it was, you know, what, Friday, eight o'clock, you would know you were there. I know I know the landscape's changed now with iPlayer and streaming and stuff, but, you know, you, you would you would make sure you were in front of the telly, you would, you know, plan it all, get sit down as a family because Porridge was on or the two Ronnies was mm. on or whatever it was, Markham and Wise, whatever it was, you know. Um but yeah, it was a, it was a it was a great great pleasure to do, and it was a massive pleasure to work with with Ian and Dick, you know, because um, they were they're they're masters of their game, you absolutely, know? Um, yeah. Um, 
and it was sad. It was sad that it didn't. Uh, it was bittersweet because it didn't get to go again. But you know, as I say, there was kind of reasons probably for that um, that were probably kind of you know understandable. Um, but I, you know, it is jobs are like your kids, aren't they? You kind of love each one dearly, and you are very protective of it. And I, you know, I loved that. I loved porridge because it taught me a new skill set apart from anything else. But again, you know, we're talking about rejection again. That's a that's kind of a different type of rejection because yeah, every, yeah. everybody's worked really, really hard and you've then you've thrown it out there. And after it's been thrown out there, you go, well, it's it's, it's kind of out of my hands now. There's, there's nothing I can do to, to sell yeah. it even more. Um, yeah. So it, it, yeah, I understand that when you talk about scheduling and you think, oh, God, was, was this she was deliberately trying to do this because... It, what we've 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 offered something up. We've worked really really hard. Yeah, um, I suppose it's a bit like it's a bit like reviews. You know, I mean, yeah. Can you read a review during a run of a play? No, no, I, no, no. I don't it's think bad, so. I've done it. I've done it, and it's a bad idea. Because mm. I'm, you know, we're all sensitive creatures. You know, if you read, it doesn't. And as many people have said, it doesn't doesn't matter if it's good or bad you know they both affect you in an adverse way because you know you're you're if somebody points out a little bit that you do and I, I, this has happened this specific thing has happened to me where somebody's going to i read in a review when mark bonner da, 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 something i can't remember what it was or what i was doing but he's pointed out a specific bit and every night after that review or after i read it um uh i would go this is that bit this is that bit <gasps> You know, it just oh. it plants a little thing in your head. You don't want Absolutely. to be made self-aware of what you're doing. Mm. Um, you know, if it works, it works with the audience and you, and that's the way you should leave it. Um, afterwards, you can read reviews and get angry at Charles Spencer. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little bit like somebody on a set um, coming up to you when the camera's turning around and it's on you and you've already done this scene a few times and the other person uh, that you're playing opposite says to you, oh, do you know that bit when you do that? Oh, I love I that when you do that. And do you know what? action. I, oh, I know, I know. Exactly, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Yeah. It, it, funnily enough, you, funny you say that, but I was uh, in, in uh, mine and Neil's, la not last scene, second last scene the other day on Friday. It was on. Sorry, ju sorry, it, Mark. Just to put it into context, this is the ITV drama that yeah. uh, is about Alexander Litvinenko. Yeah, that's right. We, um, um, me and Neil are playing coppers in it, and uh, uh, David Tennant's playing Litvinenko. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we I, I literally just finished on, on filming on Friday um, with Neil Masco. Who, for those who don't know, um, but uh, yeah, we we're kind of uh, we met. Um, I mean, I know you're really great pals with Neil, but uh, we we met sort of about oh I don't know, fuck seven years ago was it doing um, Eric Ernie and me, yeah. and we've uh, remained in touch ever since. I love him and uh, and uh, yeah, but I was watching him the other day. It was it was such a pleasure to to work together again, and 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 um, now that we know each other a bit better as well, I guess. But but. Um, I was watching him uh, when it was on his close-up. It was really close as well. Um, uh, I could see the the shot. And I was just, I was watching him going, oh my God, you're fucking fantastic. <laughs> 
you know, just, I was kind of, you know, that, and I was still in the scene. I was, you know, I was doing, I was, you know, I had, I was his eye line and I was doing my lines and everything for him. But, um, I was just, I found myself in, in those kind of situations where you find yourself watching someone rather than sort of being in the scene with them. Mm. I was just watching him going, wow, what you're doing is mm. really fucking yeah. special. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I just had one of those moments, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, why did I say, why was I start, start talking about that again? Um, oh, because you were saying, yeah, if somebody says in the middle of a scene, I love that bit, you do. And I almost did. I almost went, and he wasn't finished. And I had to stop myself because I, 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 I almost went, that was brilliant. I oh, God. And I went, oh, no, wait, <coughs> wait till after. Mm. <coughs> and in fact, I texted him the day after. He texted me the day after, and I texted him back and said, "And listen, what you were doing yesterday was fucking amazing, man. So good. It's such a pleasure to witness or work with uh, people. It's such a pleasure to get the opportunity to to work with people in that way. And Mm. I mean, acting. You know, it's such a pleasure to do it. I love this job. I love that." I love that it changes every two or three months, you know, because I've got a very short attention span. Um, and I just, I think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to do, to create something out of nothing and entertain people. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to be able to do. And I'm so blessed to be able to do it, you know. Has there ever been times where it hasn't gone to plan and I mean who has a plan but where you've thought yeah this is getting too tough for me I don't think I can carry on doing this yeah uh, um back in uh well it's been a few times actually I mean um I've had a I've had two periods I've, no I've had one period of a year out and one period of 15 months out um, and one nine months. So uh, 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 the nine months one was the, was, was probably the most recent. Um, uh, I don't know if it was actually, um, but like for big blocks, you know, that's quite a big block not to have yeah. fuck all. Mm. And, um, and it was right after the, the first sort of lead part I'd done on telly and, and a thing called paradox with Tamsin Outhwaite uh, mm. and Eamon Elliot and, uh, and Chiki Okonkwo. We, we, the four of us were the sort of main parts in this show. Um, and it was a good show. Um, and it, it kind of it had quite ambitious, pla- you know, ideas and stuff. And it was like, sort of like sci-fi mixed with cop thing. Um, but for whatever reasons, it only went, it only did one series. Um, but um, <clears throat> after it was broadcast... I I was thinking, okay, I've shown I've shown, I've shown what I can do uh, on telly in a sort of like a, a big part, you know. Um, uh, here we go, <laughs> here we go, and the phone didn't ring for nine months, and I was like, oh, so that was hard. That was hard. That was mm-hmm. really really hard. Um, but that's you know that that's just one of those things you know you yeah. it's a surprise and it's you know it's there's always you know I, I met for things so but 
you, you kind of, that keeps your hope going. Uh, you know, when you have meetings, when you have auditions, you wait to hear about stuff. So you're thinking, you know, that keeps your spirits up, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and it's I did meet for some stuff, but I just didn't get anything. It's interesting what we've been talking about. There's been a through line about um, the longer that you've been doing it, you sort of, well, you get to know and you get to learn and you get to accept and sit with certain things about how to behave and rejection and all that. But that's, yeah. a, that's another thing <laughs> that sort of, you know, and I'm sure, yeah, I mean this in the right way, but slightly naive that you went, okay, here we go. <laughs> no, We're on right, now. Totally. Because I thought, right, I've done a really good job. Go. <laughs> but, it, but that's the thing, isn't it? It just doesn't play out like it doesn't, it doesn't work, work like that. Like that. No. Like a really good friend of mine um, a few years ago um, won a BAFTA and ah. absolutely well-deserved, so proud, brilliant for him. Yeah. The phone did not ring. Fucking I mean, not hell. even Scripts didn't even come in because, because he kind of found out that he... People just thought, oh, well, I'll be totally busy now. So no, like, no one just went, he'll be fine. He's like, no, no, he's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not fine. It's There's weird, isn't going it? On. It's weird because being, being self-employed uh, uh, or freelance or whatever mm. we are, um, you kind of, because uh, if you get a promotion at work, right? If you get, a, you know, if you work for the civil service or whatever, you get a promotion, you've got a promotion. Somebody's mm. thought you're good enough to do that job. There you go. There's a pay rise. There's a bit more money. Uh, and you can do that as long as you're fit to, uh, as long as you're fit and uh, healthy and you'll get, and then you'll hopefully get another promotion later on, blah, blah, blah. And that's the way it works. But yeah, for, for, for freelancers, you get a pat on the back or a BAFTA, um, or, or you or well done and you, or you've completed a piece of work and you've done it to the best of your abilities and you think you're all right in it. And then what? Nothing. That's it. You don't get you don't get any money. You don't get a job. You don't get a you know uh, for for. So it's the it's the it's the not knowing. The not knowing is a is a killer sometimes. But also the, it's the, the uncertainty it's, is a killer. Sometimes. But also it's the not knowing and the uncertainty that kind of keeps you driven and keeps you alive. So it's if it's kind of yeah it's yeah a, yeah it's it double does. edged. It does. It's it's terrifying. But I mean, it, yeah. No, you're right. It does. It does. It, it certainly keeps you going. It certainly keeps you hungry. It certainly keeps your your senses sharpened. It certainly keeps you fit. In my case, mm. if I um, if I um, I keep I always joke that if I didn't do this job, I'd be twenty five stone, because <laughs> 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 I fucking love food and uh, I lo- I don't really drink anymore. But um, I, uh, I I used to love my booze as well. Um, but yeah, I always joked that if I if I didn't do this job, I'd be the size of size of a hoose. <laughs> Even though, and I'm I'm repeating myself that I don't talk about jobs, but because we've spoken about comedy so much, and we're both yeah. so clearly quite passionate about it, we've done nothing but talk about jobs. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But but in a way, do you know why? Do you know? Which is fine. I'm I'm happy I, with that. I, I know, but do more. you know? Um, one of the reasons when I started this years ago, when I was having conversations with actors, why I never wanted to talk about jobs too much is I never wanted it to be um, self-indulgent. I was always very scared about uh-huh. that. But sometimes with things like this, it just happens and we do talk about it. And 
it, there's no in jokes. There's no sides. There's it's there's, mm. there, it's not self indulgent. It's just two people having a conversation, which is why I'm really yeah. enjoying it. And I'm not trying to veer it down another track because it's organically going the way that it yeah, is, and, yeah, and, it, course, and it's really course. lovely. But to be offered to play Eric Morecambe, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I couldn't think of anything. More scary. More fucking right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck. Terrifying. Oh, my God. But, you know, I didn't... Uh, um, when... Um, I, do need I, to, got, I, I do need to say, yeah, and obviously you know this anyway, it was fucking brilliant. And kudos to, oh, to you, you and Maskell and um, Neil Forsyth as well, because it was just... It was a sublime bit of talent. And, you know, two comedians who are part of my history, who yeah. hold close to my heart, So I would be, which is one of the reasons why, and I'm sure they're incredible, but I'm incredibly nervous about watching the Laurel and Hardy film. Oh, it's beautiful. I know, I've read the I script. I saw it just I, about two, three weeks ago. It's, it's beautiful, you'll love it, you'll love it, because right, okay. it's, it comes from the best possible place. No, I read the script and it was brilliant, but I was just like, I don't know if I'll be able to sort of detach myself away from... The history of of two people who I ah uh, you will you adore. will you will I know love I know it. I will I know I will it. I'm being silly but anyway because I'm not... a, I'm a massive fan as I well know, and yeah. I was a little bit like that I was thinking oh god how is it going to be da, da, da. and um, I, I I it just it, I wept <laughs> I wept buckets oh, at the end it yeah. was just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous but um. I'd also mention Tomkinson as well, Stephen Tomkinson, who played an oh, absolute blinder as Eddie Braben. He really did. He was he was astonishing. Yes, really yeah, astonishing. Tomkinson was um, incredible. And uh, yeah, it was very. It was it was absolutely terrifying. Um, when when I first got the call about it, uh, uh, my my first reaction was, "Oh, me? No, 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 no." And and Lucy. Um, was like, oh, stop being so stupid. Um, you know, you're good. She helped me with the accent, uh, no end, you know, because she's from Wigan. Mm. Um, and because uh, I was doing her dad at first. <laughs> 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 I was, she went, that's not, that's not, that's not Lancashire. That's not um, uh, uh, Morecambe. That's Wigan. You're doing a Wigan thing. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Anyway, um, uh, but, but, um, she, uh, no, it, um, it was it was terrifying. So, I, but I had two weeks before my meeting uh, to prepare. So I just watched him. I watched him and watched him and watched him. And uh, you know the the family were sick of the sound of me going oh ho ho, you know um, uh, everything. Um, and um, but I mean up until you know I woke up on the morning of the meeting uh, uh, two weeks after I got the first call, thinking. I, I'm not right for this. I'm just not, I'm not right. And, uh, but were I you, went in. Sorry to interrupt. Were you almost yeah. trying to sort of talk yourself out of actually? I, I, I don't know. Because it, it can I, be done. We can do that. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I, I think um, it was probably, I don't know, it was probably a bit of self-preservation, but I I, I I just, I, I actually genuinely didn't think I was right for it. <laughs> I, and I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring a kind of like whatever, you know, I'm going to 
I'll do him, I'll do him, and I'll go along, and I'll, you know, because uh, I, di- I just didn't know how, I didn't know how to do it, I didn't know how to do it. So I, I'd watched him, and I'd listened, and I'd practised, and I went along, and um, uh, it was terrifying, and, and they, they got me to go in with a couple of, of Ernie's as well, um, and uh, neither of whom were Maskell, as to be said, um, but both of whom are very good. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I, I tell you what, the, the, um, Neil Forsyth um, was brilliant in the meeting. He was so um, enthusiastic, and which he's like anyway, Neil. He's, he's, he's just like, you know, got such an amazing energy. So he was brilliant. He was like laughing and he was like going, try this, try that, I do that. And he was Scottish as well. So we had a little bit of a, you know, thing about Scotland or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was, it sort of, it happened and then I went, oh well, that was that. It was good fun, blah, blah, blah. And went home and then the phone rang and I got it. And I was like, oh, fucking what? <laughs> and I've never been so scared going into a rehearsal room with Stephen Tompkinson and Neil Masker. I didn't know Neil at the time. Um, but both of them were, I mean, I, I was huge fans of, you know, um, mm. uh, I just, I think weeks before I'd watched, um, Kill List and, um, and bloody loved Utopia. And he would, you know, he's sublime. Neil's a mm. fucking sublime actor. And and Tomkinson, man, fucking hell, he's, a, you know, Drop the Dead Donkey was always on when I yeah, was yeah, in, yeah. in my, you know, 20s. So, yeah, I was just, you know, walking into a, a, a hotel room. Where, <laughs> that was another story. Walking into a <laughs> rehearsal room with them two um, and trying to do Eric Markham was f- absolutely petrifying. Um and and remained petrifying until until I think we actually came to do it, and then I sort of thought, I, okay, I, I, I'm kind of feeling him a little bit. I think I'm sort of, and obviously, hair and makeup did the most fucking incredible job. Oh my god, that team were just amazing, um, and that really, you know, when you see yourself and you go, oh my god, mm. right, okay, so yeah, that 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 really that really helped. And the walk, and the his energy, and the pipe. When I got the pipe, oh, the pipe. that was a really, that really helped. Things that really little things you just help you hold yourself a different way, and and he, yeah, just everything. You know, it's it's a fascinating sort of process to go through. You know, to to get yourself into that. Yeah, because it's I so loved it. one I really thing. Well, one thing creating a character with a, a a fresh original script, and it's one when you're given, you've got all the responsibility, knowing that this is a person that made people's Christmas Day. Like Christmas yeah. Day was certainly in my house and many many other people's was built around, right, well, we need to get sat down <laughs> for 7.15. It's going to be on at 8 o'clock. The Wise Christmas special is going to be on, and it's going to be, it's, this is going to be wall-to-wall yeah. for an hour of just hit after hit after hit. And also I know. the glasses. But see, there was loads of sketches that I didn't know that were fucking brilliant. And, and uh, like Mr. Memory. Mr. Memory ha- is one of the all-time genius comedy sketches because he comes out... <laughs> It's a silly joke, but it's so good. He comes out with no trousers on. <laughs> That's how the sketch starts. Mr. And apparently what was really wonderful about the job 
was learning that these things, for example, the idea for him not to come uh, to, to come on without his trousers on, was uh, like a really last minute thing in the wings. You know, he went, "I'll take my trousers off," and you know, it was like, "Oh my god!" But that's a fucking genius. It's a stroke of genius, you know. It's brilliant. So that 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 team, that you know, Morecambe and Wise and Braben, that team were just fucking. Uh, astonishingly mm, good for mm. so many years, you know, top of their game. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, and Neil says this, there was a lot of, like Monty Python, like all that, there's a lot of, when you watch an episode of Monty Python now, you sort of, you know, there's two or three hits in it, uh, you know, really funny bits, and the rest is a bit like, ah, yeah, okay. And there was quite a bit of that with Morecambe and Wise on the weekly show, you know, not the Christmas special. That was always like a big glitzy spectacular. It was hit after hit, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, but on the weekly shows, yeah, there was a few sort of like, oh, yeah, this is quite of its time or, you know, but, but when the classics hit, fucking hell, Mr. Memory was just, uh, oh, beautiful. Arsenal! <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God, Mr. Memory is one of my favourite characters, I think. But Mark, I'm just going to um, round it off now and just go back to when Stephen Hatton called you up and said, you know, look, if you get this, and I'm not quoting him. <laughs> this is going to change your change. life. But <laughs> did, it, did it change things? Line of duty? Yeah. Oh, yes, without a doubt. I, I, I think... Um, I don't think I don't think any of us really because the the first series was brilliant, um, but I think the second series, for whatever reason, hit hit touched a nerve in the public psyche. I hate those fucking things. <laughs> it touched a nerve with the public psyche, and uh, everybody went wild. Um, no, but the, some something happened around series two. You know, I, I, I think you know a Jed storytelling mixed with you know Keely and me coming in to join a, a, an already fucking amazing established cast with a just a great fucking story. You mm. know, it's a great story and some brilliant sort of coup de theatres like. Um, um, Oh, I've forgotten her name. Shit, falling out the window in ep- at the end of episode one. Um, oh, oh, Jess, 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 yes, yes, that's right. Um, and just great people, like you know, the wonderful Tony Pitts, who you've had oh, on this. God, you know, yeah. I fucking love Tony. Yeah, me too. And uh, it was just a, it was a fascinating thing to be a part of, and and yes, it really captured the public's imagination. That really captured oh, the public's thank imagination. You, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it kind of went a bit mental, and uh, and it was it was a real it was a real thrill to be a part of it, you know. Um, and it did change things, yeah, undoubtedly. That alongside sort of catastrophe, probably mm. around about the same time I was doing catastrophe, those two jobs, yeah, made a kind of difference, I think, to 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 my career, I suppose. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I'm eternally, eternally grateful to. Um, to them and you all and Robert Lindsay. And well, it's it's <laughs> like I always say, you know, when I you know talk to you know students and younger actors, I just say, you know, it's just about time and it's just about luck, and sometimes it's just one job and it's just going to change everything. Yeah. It's about um, being. Mark- it's about being prepared, being prepared so that when that happens, you're prepared. Yeah. 
What a beautiful way to end it, Mark Bonner. You're an absolute star, and I oh, can't thank it's you. Been lovely, mate. Enough for we're almost on. at the Witcher now. Yeah, I know. We'll get to our scratcher. Um, Are you working tomorrow? No, no, I'm no, up good. early um, on a big drive to go and oh, collect you... oh. a, a small ten-year-old boy. <laughs> oh, mate, good luck. Oh, cheers, man. Look, uh, loads of love, Mark, and uh, I'll and see you. you in person, um, hopefully very soon. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere down the line, yeah. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Yes, we spoke about certain jobs and slight preparation and learning and dealing with rejection. Um but you got who Mark Bonner is, and if you ever meet him, say hello, because you know what? He'll stop and he'll have a chat with you. He's brilliant. And if you're uh, an actor and you haven't worked with Mark Bonner, you are in for an absolute treat. Um, certain things that we touched on early on in this episode, Bull, the film starring Neil Maskell, directed by Paul Andrew Williams, is coming out at cinemas um, this Friday, this this week, this Friday. Uh, it's on uh, Odeon's Pitch Houses. Google it, Bull. Go and see it. Go and support British independent cinema. Do that because uh, that you know they need the support, and I can't wait to see it. I know it's going to be a brilliant film. Uh, reports back from people that have seen it have said it is nothing short of fantastic. And what do you expect from, uh, you know, an actor of Maskell's talent and Paul Andrew Williams, who, if you haven't seen, um, I think I might be right in saying his debut film. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologise, but it's called London to Brighton. Ironically, as soon as I'm recording this in Brighton, uh, it's... It's a fantastic film. Seek out London to Brighton. And if you want to catch up with what Mark is doing on television, go to BBC iPlayer. You can start by watching Series 1 of Guilt. Rinse that, then jump straight into Series 2 of Guilt, which is playing now on the BBC iPlayer if you're in the UK or you've got like a cheeky VPN and you can see it. Um, Apparently you can do that. I'm not saying to do it. Apparently you can do it. Oh... It's good to be back. I'm talking very fast and I'm slightly tired. So I'm going to finish my glass of red wine and um, get to bed. And I'll see you all next week. Okay. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing. Um, Let's have a chat. You know where we are. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We try and get back to you. If you want to drop us an email, you can. If you want, you can hear my voices going because I'm tired. It's twoshoppod at gmail.com. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens.